are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Friday, September 24th, slash Saturday, September 25th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and uh, you ask for it every single week, which means I just have to do my best to get out of the way and allow dear friend of the show, Joe Rose, the radio voice of the Miami Dolphins, uh, to come onto this program and talk all things Miami Dolphins football. Today's, this week's appearance with Joe, uh, we kind of talk about the identity crisis of Miami and who this team is right now versus who we thought they were, uh, what opportunities this week is going to afford to kind of bring the narrative back into focus a little bit, and we also take a little bit more of a uh, a long-term view as far as big picture from the 10,000-foot view of the Miami Dolphins and where they're at in this point in time. So uh, looking for, it was a great conversation. I'm looking forward to each and every one of you hearing it and kind of hearing both of our perspectives on all of those topics and much, much more. So without further ado, it's time to turn the keys of the car over to our dear friend Joe Rose. Let's do it. Joe, it's great to hear from you. How has your week been? I don't know about you, but we've kind of been licking our wounds all weekend here or all week here on Locked On Dolphins, but ready to kind of move forward, focus on the Raiders a little bit, and hopefully get some momentum built back up for this season. Yeah, usually I have found out the fan in me over the years usually starts to bounce back sometime on Wednesday, feel better Thursday, and then all of a sudden Friday, I'm like looking at all the different ways you can beat the Raiders, but it was a rough week, man. I mean, I... I didn't see it. I don't think most people, not that we all thought they were going to win the game, but you thought it'd be competitive like last year's game against this Bills team and to lose 35, nothing. And, you know, fourth down didn't work. Third down problems drops uh, and the, and the topic, the pass protection problem or, or mental breakdowns, physical problems um, to the point. I think we're all kind of looking forward to seeing. So have they now evaluated everything? They're going to stick with the same guys in the same places. Mm-hmm. Are they actually going to make some changes? Um, they're mostly all your young draft picks. Uh, the guys that you pick, a one, a couple of twos, uh, a three in there and a four. And, of course, Jesse Davis in there as well. So I, I'm, I'm sure you're like me, kind of looking forward to seeing. I know a lot of people think, Joe, it's going to be a lot better. They'll make adjustments. They were a little sensitive this week to the to the criticism. You probably heard Jacoby Brissett's comments. Uh, it's always the media, of course, but um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they bounce back off that game. I really am. Yeah, I think one of the things that I was really hoping to ask you, and I didn't get a chance to, to go look through uh, the course of your career uh, with Miami when you played, but obviously you played for Coach Shula. And, you know, Coach Flores uh, has not, been very transparent with the conversations he has with his players in the locker room. He likes to keep all that kind of stuff in house. I'm just curious from your experience in your time playing for coach Shula, did you ever experience a loss that gave that same kind of vibe that Miami suffered on Sunday against Buffalo and what coach Shula's message to the team would have been coming off of a game like that? Um, There's not a fan that took a loss harder than Don Shula. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we took it hard because 
we knew what was coming and, and not necessarily that the practices were harder. They were always the same. They're always, hey, Coach Shula will go down as, you know, one of the toughest practice guys and camp guys that there's ever been in the history of the game. He believed in physical practices. He believed in a couple of them, if not three, uh, at certain times for the mental work too. So he was all in. But um, I'll tell you the, the part that, that I think aged me about 10 years when I was in my 20s was when you did get blown out, and it's happened to all of us. The Dolphins aren't the first team. That Dolphin team's not the first one to lose by 35. Um, we, we, we had some, usually on the road, but we took a, a couple of kickings around there pretty good. And uh, he would go back, and he would go through every mistake, and he would do it as an offensive group. And I, I guess the defense did the same thing with Bill Orangebarger, whoever the coordinator was at the time. And um, you were dreading that play where you dropped the ball, you whiffed on a block. Um, he felt the effort wasn't good enough trying to get to an interception, all those kind of things, man. And he didn't miss a beat. You could see the notes on a big old old school notepad and uh, run it back. And he pretty much, not that he screamed and yelled, but he'd run it back and forth and, you know, call you out and say, what do you think of this? Huh? Can we win when this happened? You know, like, so he didn't yell, but he made his point, man. And you literally, you had a knot in your stomach driving into work that morning, knowing it was coming. So yeah, you, you were always accountable. Um, like, oh, the game's over. Let's move on. Uh-uh. We knew it was coming after our day off. We were coming back in, and we were we were going to go over that game before the coach was ready to move on, and he corrected all those mistakes. And a couple of guys usually got called in if it was real bad, and you got the, if this is the best you can do, I don't know how much longer I can keep you. That'll get your attention. So those kind of things, I, I don't think that stuff goes on. I think Coach Flores gets his message um, across to the team. Listen, it was a bad game. They were bad. There is no way around it. I know we're sitting here talking about the offensive line and Tua being hurt again has been the hot topics here in South Florida, but we had some drop balls. We had some chances to make plays. Um, Malcolm Brown had a chance to break up a, a foot tackle and he's probably in the end zone. If he makes a cut instead, a defensive back comes up, grabs him by the leg, trips him down. He didn't get the first down, but he's able to make that cut, stay on his feet, man, there's nobody, nobody. It was right to the end zone. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely frustrating on so many different fronts where even you know, on that play, reach the ball out and see if you can, you know, break the plane for the first down. So just yeah. you know, situationally, it felt like Miami was, uh, behind the eight ball from the very beginning on this game on, on, Sunday against Buffalo. And, and I think as, as we do shift our focus forward towards the Raiders, uh, you're heading out West. You have uh, a 2-0 Raiders team who has beaten Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, Derek Carr's leading the league in, in passing yardage by 200 yards. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious what your just kind of surface level thoughts are on a matchup with the Raiders and, you know, both from a physical perspective and a mental perspective, you know, what the focus of this team is going to be, um, 
how they match up with the Raiders yeah. and, and how this game, like what, what kind of game script do you think these coaches are anticipating is going to take place with Jacoby at quarterback and everything involved? Yeah. So, so I think you keep a lot of the game plan in. I don't think there's anything that Tua did. They're going oh, Tua's out. We can't do this with Jacoby. I think it all comes in, all comes into play. Um, all, all the same stuff, whatever he feels comfortable with, maybe during camp, they might add a few plays that he's had success with. And, and, and they chart every play so they know who he's completed, who has good timing, throwing to his right, throwing to his left. They'll have all those numbers to, to give to Jacoby before this game so they're all on the same page. Um, you and I talked about this uh, in the morning on, uh, on Thursday. Um, one thing, we got to be able to run the football. Got to run the football instead of everybody just teeing off on you and on the line of scrimmage and flex it out. Um, and I'd like to see some, you know, more, more Jalen Waddle, get him some stuff on some quick stuff. Those bubble screens have got him out with guys blocking in front of him. Uh, but we got to get some offense going. We got to get some long drives. We got to finish them. Got to finish them. Whether it's a third and one or I think we have a fourth and one. I think Brian Flores is going to continue to go for it. I think he understands how important it is for this offense to get some confidence here. As, uh, as this season goes on. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are top of the first round blue chip Jalen Waddle caliber protein bars, if we're being completely honest. Uh, and they're as, they go as fast once you crack open the wrapper as Waddle running a 40 time. If we're being completely honest, these things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all their bars. They have nine different delicious flavors for you to chew from. Something for everybody, whether you're looking for something to grab and go, a midnight snack, a meal replacement, post-workout, you name it, Built Bar can be it. And right now you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So one of the things that I kind of observed early in the week based off of, you know, reflecting on the 2020 team. And, and they obviously had the slow start last year. And then they have the run-in with COVID midway through the season with the coaches that were un- ineligible to coach for them against Arizona. And I always thought that Dolphins team last year really responded well to adversity. And, you know, they rose to the occasion. And obviously, whatever it was about week two that got everybody out of character and and they weren't focused in the right kind of way to execute the game plan. Uh, Would you agree with the idea that week three is going to be that first defining character moment for this football team to see, Hey, you just got your ass kicked last week. What you're on the road, West coast, your only West coast trip of the year. What are you made of? And what are you going to bring to the table? You don't have your starting quarterback. How are you going to respond? Yeah. 100%. I think, um, yeah, people, you know, they were uh, they were a little sensitive to everything. All of a sudden, everybody was hearing all the stuff and hearing the noise. Only one way to get rid of it. I'm sure Coach Flores wasn't real quiet about everything. I mean, they got they got kicked around. I'm sure even a couple of coaches uh, had to hear some stuff from Coach Flores too. With you know some of those guys on the offensive line saying, "Man, kind of did some stuff that." we weren't really sure of and stuff. And anytime a guy says that, all they're doing is saying, hey, my coach didn't prepare me. They don't realize it when they say it. So so I think, uh, yeah, I'm looking to see how they bounce back. I think it's a great point. 
I think they know they tried to downplay it. Like you guys are reading into this too much. Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned with some things on this, on this team. Um, the offensive line, can, can you clean up things that much in game three, all the different mistakes? They weren't just physical mistakes. Mm -hmm. Some of those things you can, you know, you can adjust on that. The games, um, not seeing guys, not sliding off when you're double teaming a tackle and coming back on a blitz or coming up the middle. I mean, there's got to be some common sense in there and a feeling and things that I'm guessing they're going over. And if they can get all that stuff cleaned up, um, they're going to have a chance. They still got a lot of horsepower on the outside. But as you saw, when you don't have time and you're getting kicked around the way they did last week, could it might as well have been you and I out there on the outside because uh, it's hard to use any of your guys you have that can make big plays for you. Hey, to be fair, I'm a pretty good body catcher. I know you played okay. tight end. So, you know, maybe we hang on to a couple of those throws out there. We're not getting any yards yeah. after catch, though. Um, really interested, Joe. I would love if you have any theories on in each of the first two games the Dolphins have played. The run defense, they've given up an explosive play on the ground game. Damian Harris in between the tackles, popped a 30-yarder. Week two against Buffalo, Devin Singletary runs for 45 yards and a touchdown on Buffalo's opening possession. There's a lot of Dolphins fans that, that they, they haven't quite seemed to let go of the fact that Miami cut Bernard McKinney and his perceived value in the run game. Would love your thoughts. I know I have my own opinion on that versus Elandon Roberts. And uh, obviously, Raekwon Davis had, didn't play in game two against uh, the Buffalo Bills. But you know, was when you review Miami's run defense do you think it's a personnel issue do you think it was you know misalignments as far as getting fit up in the run game like how do we explain this because one, yeah. once you get over that first mistake it just happens to be a, a brutal mistake that he cost you a ton of field position or points on the board they seem to adjust fairly well yeah um but that can't happen i mean right I, they happen early in the game one of the first plays in in, in both games and um, you can't have those. You can't give – that's an explosive play. That, that's an explosive play. Switches the game. One goes for the touchdown. The other one sets them up on, on your side of the football field. So, so those are alarming. Um, believe it or not, I know some of the people are going to say, oh, the linebackers. And the linebackers haven't gotten off to a great start. They, they're in that group too. They're, they're not a whole lot of guys can look in that mirror right now and go, ha, I'm off to a great start this year. Um, I've been a little disappointed in defensive line. I, I don't think those guys have been able to get off blocks the way um, I thought they would. Um, so I, I think there's plenty of Van Ginkle hasn't been as good as I thought he was going to be. Um, Baker, Jerome got a new contract. Thought he'd be a little better too in, in both coverage and, and some of the other things that gave him seven sacks last year. And so a lot of those numbers we got a little spoiled with and, and our expectations working off all that stuff and the numbers and the amount of plays, especially those two linebackers I mm -hmm. just mentioned, um, I just ex expected expected more. And because I, I thought that was one of the reasons, whatever it was with Van Noy, and there's a lot of different reasons, you know, maybe stuff inside the locker room with Van Noy, but I thought Van Noy's a pretty good player. And I, I thought he really helped those, those other two guys would get their numbers when you look at the numbers they put up, the, the three of them, they had a ton of sacks and, and made a lot of plays. And uh, we just haven't seen it early. So 
still early in the year and I'm not doing the panic thing. There's a lot. And we do have a way still getting a lot of stops. They got a lot of stops against the Buffalo bills and really mm -hmm. shut down that offense of the bills in the first half outside of uh, the start of that game. So what do you, do you have any theories on what the root is of the slow start? Because I know we talked about it on Thursday morning when I came on Joe Rowe show and you know, you just referenced it here, kind of expectations versus reality as far as you know, how quickly the, the whole message has been start fast. And you don't really get the sense that, you know, defensively there's been some bright spots. There's been some bright flashes, particularly in coverage, uh, this secondary that that's very well compensated. You know, th there's been a lot of good plays from Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, and Javon Holland's popping a little bit, but as you said, the front seven and the linebackers uh, offensively in general, it, it just hasn't. And this team has traditionally started slow under Brian wow. Flores. So what, what's the, do you have any perspective on what you feel the root cause of that is in 2021 when everything that they were preaching this team was to do the opposite. Yeah, I, I hope. And sometimes I wonder, you know, last year with the numbers they put up, the 41 sacks, the 29 takeaways, the best third down defense in football, which right now they're one of the worst teams in the National Football, uh, football League defensively in third down. Um, I hope you don't look at your numbers and think you just kind of show up and Kind of, hey, you had a good year, and hey, you were pretty good, and hey, you made a lot of plays. Um, I hope it's not that, and uh, I just think there's a big old wake-up call in that Buffalo Bills game because they, again, they got kicked around pretty good, especially on offense. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different theories. I know other people said, hey, Joe, the coach was able to cover up a lot of the weaknesses with just really good – game plans and schemes the schemes of stuff they were able to neutralize some of the lack of talent that they have I've heard that a lot from some guys that I respect and and the talent level on this team's not not as good as that 10 wins Joe be careful that guy did a great job coaching with what he had some of that talent is not as good as you think so you hear that and I do you know I take that into consideration and I'll see down the road if that was the case um, that we don't have as much talent as as we thought we did because so many different guys were making plays last year, you know, yeah. and, uh, and maybe we get exposed that way. Maybe we find out talent levels, not as good, but I think after what happened, there's a good old wake up call after what just happened at home against the Buffalo bills. And if you, if you're not ready in Las Vegas against the Raiders, then we got a problem. Listen up guys. The NFL season is, is two weeks old. But that doesn't mean that you still can't create a really fun and competitive environment for you and your coworkers or you and your friends. Get some bragging rights on the line. And I know that's what we've done, uh, me and a couple of Dolphins buddies. And we're doing it courtesy of our friends at runyourpool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Uh, so they got everything from confidence pools, pick them, survivor, squares. I'm a big fan of survivor personally and kind of shooting your shot every week. Uh, having the opportunity to lay it all out on the line and uh, put your faith in a team, and and quite often for me personally, a team that's not the Miami Dolphins from time to time, and and see if they can uh, prevent me from feeling that sensation of letdown and and get into some bragging rights uh, with my friends. Which so far so good. Through two weeks, I am still out there uh, floating around looking for a winning pick on any given week. Run your pool hosts 
formats for both the NFL and college football. One game, weeks, full seasons, playoffs, the Super Bowl, you name it. Unlike any other sports platform, Run Your Pool has options and settings to make it your own. It's not too late to start a pick'em or survivor pool for survivor leagues that have already lost. You also have revival pools available to you where you could restart your pool at a discount. So what do you do to get started? Check them out today and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use the promo code locked on at checkout. Anywhere, everywhere in the world, Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete. Don't miss out. The NFL season is off to an exciting start. So go to runyourpool.com slash locked on and have your pool up and running in minutes. That is runyourpool.com slash locked on. Football season, of course, is back, and that also means it's time to get all of your bets in, and let's win some cash money this season. Bet Online, your number one spot for all the college and pro football action this fall, with a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 100% welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage for all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, and if if things go south in Vegas, then obviously there's going to be a lot of Dolphins fans who uh, are probably going to be shifting their eyes towards the future in 2022 and, and what can change about this team to, to kind of close that gap that we perceived was already closing. So the last thing I wanted to ask you was one of the observations that I had earlier in the week on the podcast was uh, no matter what, and we're, we're obviously not hoping for seven and 10 this season, right? But no. if we, if we get to the end of the year and it's not what we expected it was going to be, I think one thing that we can look at that can be considered a success for what this regime has done to this point is they're scheduled to have top two salary cap space in the NFL in 2022 in free agency. They do have a lot of young talent that we're going to continue to see who can manage to develop their games and continue yeah. to grow. Uh, so you're going to have opportunities to, to fill in the gaps a little bit and spend that money on uh, veteran players that you know what you're getting at the NFL level. You have a lot more cap flexibility. You still have extra future draft assets versus what you normally would because of some of the trade backs and so on and so forth. So um, I guess my question for you is there's some fans that are already of the mentality, like it's the same old dolphins. It's 2000. We might as well be in 2018 all over again. When you look at the big picture view from 10,000 feet on everything that's gone into this rebuild, not necessarily just putting the product on the field this year, do you agree with kind of that, you know, I still have somewhat of an optimistic 2022 and long-term view of this yeah. team because of the groundwork that has been laid uh, that, that can create some exciting opportunities to, like they did in 2020, rapidly upgrade spots on the roster by spending money? Kyle, so I, I disagree with you a little bit, but, but your, your positive attitude and, and that stuff will come. Some of those things you're talking about do need to happen and stuff. The growth of this team going into this year has to do with last year's first round and last mm -hmm. year's draft and this year's draft. We've never done that in history of this franchise with this amount of high draft picks. So we knew when we decided to do that and gave up some pretty good football players, we knew when we decided to go that route and people are going, okay, because we had a coach who was getting absolutely the most out of the talent that he had. 
I don't know if he could have squeezed another win or two out of that first year. Mm-hmm. Five and four in the last nine. Had Washington there in a tight ball game, maybe could have won that. Um, we're in a couple other games hanging around for a while. But this thing, make no mistake about it, the growth of this team is not in the free agents thing. It's in hitting on those ones and those twos. Five ones over two drafts and four twos over two drafts. That's like three or four drafts. That's a lot of drafts. We decided, and by the way, the Houston Texans being bad, we got higher picks. We were Mm -hmm. able to get even more value. So there's a lot of pressure, not just on coaches, but the guys in the front office. And they know it. They should know it. Um, And and there's got to be confidence for the fan base and for Stephen Ross, most importantly, that – he goes, okay, I went all in. I signed off on this thing you guys decided we were going to do. And he's not stupid. He can look and go, let me see. Uh, we got, uh, okay, we got Austin Jackson. We've got a uh, Robert Hunt high pick, uh, Eichenberg. Uh, uh, oh, Ogany's not, right? We do it. Yep. You and I do it. And, um, and so the upside's going to be some of those guys being stars, being really good players. And if they're just guys, we never get better. We never get better. Got to hit on some ones, man. Franchise pick, a number one pick. We've had some good number one picks as far as where we're picking. And um, you got to be patient a little bit with it. Some guys going to develop a little slower than others. But saying that, it drives me nuts when I go around the league and I see guys tearing it up. And I'm not just talking about Justin Herbert, but Mm -hmm. that one pops up for Dolphin fans. Um, I just look at Rashawn Slater. I think he graded out the top tackle last week in the, in the NFL. Um, Chargers first round pick. We need to get some of those. We need to get some of that where we go, wow, you know what? That guy can play. Wow. We got a really good one at that position. And uh, we're still waiting on most of those guys in year two, which really concerns me a little bit. The, the guys that have just played a couple of games, they're going to be some growing pains there, and I get that. But, um, yeah, so my thought was that we're going to find out how good we are and how quickly all those top picks I, – I throw in the third-round picks, too. I don't know how you feel oh, sure. about third-round picks or three of those, too. It's kind of important. And then whatever you get in four, five, six, and seven, you'll get a couple of those guys. And when you do, go, hey, man, good stuff. But – it goes back to these drafts, man. We we coach it up. How much can Coach Flow um, coach up what, the amount of talent he has and quickly develop? I'm sure he's pounding on his assistant coaches right now. These young guys, he knows it. These young guys, they got to get caught. Solomon Kinley, Michael Dieter, Robert Hunt. I'm looking at a, the board here. All those guys, we decide to do this. You know, you didn't go in blind on this. You knew these guys are probably going to be your guys for the most part so can i can can i can i steal you one steal one more question for from you here and and it's in relation to what you said there about you know that rookie that hits the ground running and just kind of blows you out of the water early on no because i'm sitting here and i'm looking at this draft history for miami and you know Minka Fitzpatrick's turned into a phenomenal player, but I don't think he qualified as that kind of player for Miami's rookie season. There were some issues with missed tackles. True. Um, 
He was, good in, he was good in the slot now. He was, mm-hmm. we made him a slot. He was our slot guy and he graded out really well and he had a few good plays. I think we thought he had a pretty good chance to be good, but not like he's been with the Steelers. Right, yes. right. So, so then the year before that was Charles Harris, and we all know how that story ends. Strike three. Uh, the, the year was uh, before that was Laramie Tunsil, who, you know, his rookie season was not all that because he played inside at guard. He slipped, getting out of, he slipped getting out of the shower and missed it some games, and he was at guard, then he was at tackle when they played the musical chairs. So uh, the year before that was Devontae Parker and then Juwan James, and it's like it feels like it doesn't matter who's been the GM for the last 15 years for this team. We haven't got that rookie that's come in and just captivated the league right away and blown the doors off you. So it's, I understand why there's some Dolphins fans that are out there that are just like, oh, shucks, you know, it's, we're, we're a hard luck team right now. Yeah. They're frustrated because now what happens, because your mindset, especially if you, you're old enough to go through the last 20 something years. Um, so it's a lot of different groups of GMs and coaches and VP of football operations and whatever their friggin' titles been that they've been right. involved in this thing. And they're, and, and so I, I don't get mad at dolphin fans. I'm, I'm there with them a lot. It's like, here we go again, here we go again. And for a lot of time, there's just not a lot of confidence in what's going on in the front office. There's just not, and there needs to be. There needs mm-hmm. to be um, – it does work. There's teams that are doing it. It makes it work. Colts have had some unbelievable drafts, um, what they've been able to do. The Saints have had some good drafts, Green Bay Packers. Um, there's some teams that put everything into it. Steelers just keep putting guys in the same system. One guy out, another guy in. Um, we've just we've just got to get there and, um, and get guys – hey, listen, I'm – not saying I could do it, not a GM or player personnel or a scout to, to see it, but those guys are. That's what they do for a living. They get paid a lot of money. They got a big budget, and it's about finding the best players in the country and making the right decisions when you're sitting there and you have your choice between two guys and your whole fan base knows which one are we going to take and what are we going to do. And, and so that's like fair or not – Tua Tungavailoa, the rest of his career, will always be compared to the guy that was taken yep. one pick after him, Justin Herbert. Like no other two players in the history of this franchise, those two will always be next to each other. The Dolphins and Tua, the Chargers and Herbert. Yep. So. And um, we'll see how the story plays out oh no listen you know? i think there's a lot i think it's still early in the book you're right we just started and uh, there's gonna be a lot more to read about this i agree i agree with you hey man i i hope and i i want to see how it bounces back and how they feel and how they're gonna know we're gonna learn a lot about it this week we really are, are they gonna come out and be competitive or is this thing just gonna look like what we just saw um i can't wait i can't wait to get to vegas and sunday afternoon to watch this thing, the Raiders throw it right now. Like we've, like we've never seen anybody in the history of the game, the pace they're on right now, and they're not going to change. They're not worried about running it a whole lot. They're going to get after it. They're going to hit the Raiders love big plays. Al Davis, his son must be listening to him and John Gruden because they're back, you know, they've got, they've got one of the two best tight ends or three best pass receiving tight ends in the game. 
They got a guy on the outside from Alabama that can go get it. And uh, they got a lot of other good weapons. So, and that's the strength of our team covering. So I want to, again, fun, man, fun to watch and, and see in this game. I just got to learn not to get so attached and so emotional. I'm the same way. I'm the same I, way, though. Literally, I, I said on the radio, my my poor, my daughter's the one. My wife thinks it, but she's learned just when I come home from a game, like the other day, come home for dinner, real quiet. And my daughter is home from college and says, I, I'll never understand how you bring those losses home. You didn't play. Why are you so attached to this thing? You haven't played in a zillion years. Like, why does it affect you? And she's not a sports fan, right? Right. She's home joking and, oh, you know, and, and I said, I, you're right, but I, there's nothing I can do about it. I, I wish I could. I wish I could not get frustrated and pissed off. And, uh, like, I don't like going through this. You know, and the highs are too high when you pull one out like we did right. against Vegas. Hell, I couldn't sleep that night, you know. And and then when we play like that, I'm afraid to show my face in the parking lot. It's like crazy. Well, I, I think that's, that's you know, I, I feel very much the same way. And obviously, I'm, I'm not as close to the team not living in South Florida as you oh, are. You are. You're I, getting in there with us, man. We have sucked you right in. I think that's what. Uh, what gives me such a great appreciation for you and the coverage that, that you have is you can tell that you care. And, and I, I think that's really something that, that fans can pick up on is the passion that does exist in the same way that they care about it. We care about it. And I think that's, that's what makes these conversations to me so enjoyable too, because it's, it's two people who have different experiences and, uh, different perspectives, but at the end of the day, like there's not enough today, in my opinion, of sitting around and having like a discussion and, and kind of coming to see the other person's perspective on things when you both want the same thing, which is the Dolphins right. to be successful. That's exactly right. We just want to see a product that's fun to watch. By the way, I don't expect every to win every game, but you want to leave. You know, I call it Marino years. Marino didn't win all his games, but you know he'd lose. And a shootout to Ken O'Brien, you're going, man, well, we lost. That's that's disappointing. Man, that Marino was throwing the ball, boy. <laughs> we got our money's worth with that 500 yards offense. There were a lot of those kind of games. Ah, yep. Jim Kelly got him today, but, boy, I'll tell you what, that was fun to watch. Yep. You know, when you get those, you get great performances. And so we'll, uh, we'll keep going, man. That's all, all we can do. And, and as we said, we'll get more clarity on who exactly this team is on Sunday against the Raiders. And, uh, of course, Joe in the mornings will be there for, for you guys as Dolphins fans to digest it after the game and Locked On Dolphins. Uh, the podcast will be here as well. So that's going to do it for this little discussion, kind of State of the Union address after uh, the week that was for Miami Dolphins yeah. football. So, Joe, thanks for joining me. It's great, as always. Look forward oh, to chatting to you next time. finishing man. up uh, the game and uh, getting ready to travel out here tomorrow. So it's always great being with you, buddy. You do a great job. Love having you. Love being with you. So thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Thanks again to our dear friend Joe Rose, one of my absolute favorites. Um, has been nothing but the utmost kind individual to me in the Dolphins community. And that's really been been cool to get to know Joe. And I look forward to having him on plenty more times this season to share his insights on the team. Uh, love the story about Coach Shula and what it was like coming in off a blowout. Uh, and you have to think that, you know, these Dolphins uh, probably got a little taste of something along those lines uh, heading into the start of week three. 
and we'll see how this team responds. That's going to do it for us on this episode. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Fins up. Let's go get a win against the Raiders, and I'll hope to talk to you on a victory Monday here uh, in just a couple days.